Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? This is your host, Sean Rochester, coming to you before we start today's show. Just want to let you know, as we record this, it is Tuesday, October 12th. Tomorrow, Wednesday, October 13th, is the champ Norris Cole's birthday. So I need everybody to go out to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you can find the champ and wish my man a happy birthday. He is bringing you great heat content, great basketball every single week. So make sure you wish a happy birthday to the champ Norris Cole, October 13th. And now today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Miami Heat podcast. Coming back after a week break. We are on the brink of the season next week. We don't have preseason. We have real games, and I'm excited, and I know who else is excited, and he's joining me. It is the champ, Norris Cole. The champ is here, and we are in the building. It's time for some real games, real live action. That's what we've been waiting for, Sean. So speaking of real live action, as we always do, we try to catch up, see what's going on in your world. Before I send it to you, because I know you're a humble guy, you're not going to throw this out there, but I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to hear about 26 points, four rebounds, three assists. I mean, I, I mean, I know you're not going to brag too much, but I mean, that's that's a, that's a game right there, man. Yeah, we were fortunate enough, you know, you know, to have a, a big time win this past weekend. I, you know, I, I got it going. You no, know, it was a game that we needed. It was a big home game. Uh, we were down you know, big, we were down, I think eight to 20 at one point in the first quarter. And, you know, I just felt like I needed to make my mark as the team leader to, you know, get us back in the game. And, you know, not every game is going to be like that, but, you know, sometimes you got to go in your bag and, you know, put the team on your back and that, that, that night called for that. So overall team record, what are we looking like right now? Um, We're, we're three and two in a ACB play which is the Spanish league and we're one and oh in champions league. Okay. Nice. Yes, sir. Right. Still early, Good. still early. We still got some work to do, but um, I'm, I'm excited about our team. Um, I feel like we have a good team and we can, we can make some noise, but you know, we can't, we can't skip any steps. We got to keep working. I like that. Keep us updated. I love checking in and hearing what's going on. I was, I was really excited to see that uh, the big game from, from you, Norris, and, uh, you know, definitely looking forward to hearing some more big games ahead of that and obviously some team success along the way. I know that's what's most important to you, uh, and that's why they call you the champ, right? Absolutely. That's all it's about. If it's not about winning, what are we talking about? <laughs> exactly. Speaking of winning, we're going to talk about Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online is our exclusive partner. Uh, they are here for pro and college football, baseball playoffs. NBA is starting up. You can do futures. You can do props. You can do contests. It's basically number one source for everything that you could possibly want to bet on. Uh, head over to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So, Norris, my idea for this week was to get the fans involved. Uh, we've we've kind of been alternating weeks throughout the preseason. Um, you know, moving through the off season, we are finally on the brink. I think next week we're really going to get into it as we head into those first few games. Um, and so I put out a, a Twitter post and asked for questions. And, I, and I, I was really excited about the responses we got because there was a good mix of not only things about the upcoming season or the preseason that we've seen, 
but also some things about, you know, back looking back at the big three era, looking back, just some of the things that maybe you as a player um, do before games and how you look at the game. So I'm just going to jump into these and, uh, you know, excited to hear what you have to say about them. Sound good. Okay, let's do it. All right. So first question coming up is from Miami Heedle. It's at Heedle Miami on Twitter. His question was, what are your go-to pregame tunes? So maybe you can talk about now. And if you want to, if you can remember back, maybe back to the big three era was championship teams. What were you listening to back then? So let's think about two mm. of those. Well, back in the championship days, for sure, you had, had to play some Drake. Had to play a little bit of Drake, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think what was the name of that album that was, I mean, because he had some mixtapes back then, but I think the album I was nothing was the same. I believe that was the that was the album back then that I was listening to the, that Drake. So for sure that uh, I will also listen to it was an old Nelly song, but it was called Heart of a Champion. And I would listen to that before, like every like playoff and championship game. So Eastern Conference Championship game and then every game in the finals before the game, I'll listen to that. It's called the heart of a champion. Um, so those I remember those right off the top of my head. And now um, it's not so much the music. I listen to music sometime, but I listen to this uh, motivational. Um, it's called hunger for success. Um, motivational speeches and workout music. And some of the speakers on there are, you know, Earl Thomas and Inky Johnson. And the main songs I listen to is called Time for War, Purpose, and Beast Mode. And right before I hit the court, I like to listen to that Beast Mode. And I only really need to hear the intro because it asks a very simple question. Are you going to be a lion or a sheep? That's how Beast Mode start off. Basically what it's saying, are you going to conquer or are you going to be the victim? You know, the lion goes out and hunts the sheep. You know, the sheep is the one that gets ate. Which one are you going to do tonight? Are you going to eat or get ate? And so I always listen to that before I hit the court and I'm ready. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to go. I like that. What's what else is part of your pregame routine? Like, what do you try to do on a game day? How early are you getting to the um, arena? Like, what do you what's your routine? So I, I, I eat a very, very big breakfast, breakfast slash brunch. Um, and I, I take my pregame nap. Got to do that. And then I get to the arena. Um, I would say I'm the first one on the court. so. I'm not sure. Let me see. I'm maybe two and a half, two and a half, three hours early. Um, I'm the first one on the court, do my routine. I got like a 30 minute, 35 minute routine of shots and ball handling, get a good sweat in. Um, and then I, I, I go to the weight room. I have a little weight room routine that I do, you know, to get my core firing, get do some explosive movements, you know, to get my body going. And after that, I, I get my ankles taped and then I just sit in my locker and, you know, I don't move. I don't try not to do anything. I just sit there, meditate on what I'm going to try to do that night, focus on my assignment that night. Then I go play. Once I take my headphones off, it's time to go play. And, you know, I lock in. Yeah. I like to hear that. You know, I think sometimes people maybe don't understand that a game day doesn't start you know, when you take off and, and warm up and lay up lines for 20 minutes before the game, it's, it's a full day of preparation and, and really even before that day of getting your body ready and, 
you know, I think that shed, shed some good light on, you know, really what it takes to be a professional athlete, you know, not just a basketball player, but in any sport, the things that go in ahead of the game to get your body ready. And we're not even talking about the mental part of, you know, watching film and things like that, just talking about taking care of your body. And yeah, that's, that's, that's a routine right there. That's a grind right there. Because if you skip any of those steps, you know, you're, you, you're not going to be ready maybe. So uh, I like to hear that. So yeah, it's, it's been that way for years too. It's been that way for years, man, since probably since college, that has been my, like my routine. So yeah, it's worked so far. I like it. So we'll move into our second question coming from Mike at ball and Mike one on Twitter. Uh, he asked for your opinion, top five players in the NBA today. Top five players in the NBA today. Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and that fifth one's hard. James Harden. I'll say James Harden. I mean, obviously it's a difficult thing because no matter what you put in there, you're leaving off people. Um, you know, the guys that I would guess you're going to get pushed back on. Those first four, those first four solidified though. Okay. I mean, Luca would be a guy that they would start to point out. Um, who else, you know, like Dame Lillard. Yeah. Yeah. But those guys, none of those guys have accomplished LeBron, Giannis, KD and Steph Curry. Those four, are are solidified, <laughs> solidified. You can go, you can go whatever you want to go with resume, records, individual. Nobody has did more in this game these last four or five years than them those four, and or or James Harden for that matter. James Harden has led the league in scoring, what five out of the last six years, top of the, top one or two in assists at the same time. You know, the only thing he haven't done is win a championship. He's MVP of the league. No, so I, you know, those those would be my five. I I, I thought about Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi, but he's not, he hasn't been, you know, healthy. He doesn't play a lot in the regular season, but I thought about putting him in there too. Yeah, it's another good one, if healthy, obviously. Um, Yeah, yeah, so that's a good one. I mean, obviously, when you put those lists together, there's no way you can make it perfect. I mean, everybody has their own opinion. And when you, when you limit it down like that, you know, if you set a top three, you're going to have to knock out one of those top four that you mentioned were like basically locks. So, no matter what, you know, it's tough. It's an yeah. opinion. He asked for your opinion. So that's what right. we got. Uh, the top three is the easy for me, too. Yeah. That wouldn't have what been hard. The three I named first. <laughs> it was the was three your... I named first. Giannis, LeBron, and KD. <laughs> that would have been oh, my so you... three. So four would have been Curry. Yeah, four would have been Curry. I mean, I can't argue that either. I mean, I – those guys, multiple MB, MVPs, multiple championships, dominant players. I mean, shoot, like you can't, yeah. can't argue that one. Um, these next couple of questions move into um, move into the heat. Um, I don't know how much preseason you've caught. I've seen two of the games. I missed two of the games over the weekend. I was I was out of town on a trip, so I didn't get to see the Thursday and Friday night games. I saw a little bit of last night's game. I saw a little bit of the first game, but um, you know when we're talking about this, this team, it's, it's obviously undefeated in the preseason, you know, and, and obviously right. there's, I don't know how much value you put into that. I mean, record wise winning is important. I mean, last night's game, it was, 
a tremendous comeback. I think they were down 13 with about two minutes left. You got mostly the guys from summer league in there playing their, you know, tails off trying to compete, mm-hmm. you know, before we even get to these questions, what do you, what do you say about that? Like as a player, how do you view preseason? You know, I think in different points of your career, when you're a young guy trying to get in there, those guys that were playing at the end of the game last night, they're playing for, you know, whether it's to make the heat or make another team. Whereas a guy like Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler that have, you know, they're the towards the back end of their career. It's, it's a little bit different path through the preseason. What do you, what would you say about that as someone that has been through those games? Right. I would say for each team is different because just like you said, the personnel, you know, you have some guys that are competing for a job and you have other guys that are just competing to get in shape, you know, just to get in playing shape, you know, practice is one thing, but to get out there and, you know, go up against, um, you know, different players, you know, get your body acclimated back into basketball game shape. So, you know, for the Miami Heat, I think the fact that they're going to compete every night, that's just part of the culture, whether it's preseason or not. Um, you know, being able to see, you know, try different things out. You know, preseason is about, you know, seeing how the guys look on the court and seeing this practice is, you know, translating or not. And then for young guys, it's about getting out there, you know, just being acclimated, getting used to the speed of the NBA, getting used to the, how the game is called, um, going through the plays and things that you work on in practice, seeing if you can translate them on the fly against a different opponent who, you know, who you're not practicing against every day. And so it's, it's, it's important, but it's, I don't want to say it's the most important, you know, would you rather go undefeated in preseason and, you know, not have a good regular season? Obviously not. You know, would you rather not play well in the preseason but have a productive and a winning regular season? Yes. So um, it's good that they're undefeated, but what matters most is are they working on their habits because, you know, you take all wins in the regular season, but in the preseason you want to try to win a certain way, working on doing the things that you're trying to do. And I think that's what the Heat are doing. They're, they're working on their habits, working on their style of play, guys learning their roles and where they're going to be on the court. I think that's that's the most important. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, so far there's been a balance. I think the Heat, you know, have have worked in their different rotations because there's a lot of new guys. That's the, that's the thing right. about it is, like you said, a, a team like what we have with all these new players, if you just rest them through preseason and play young guys, when we get to the regular season and you're playing against the Bucks in that first game, there's going to be an effect on that. Obviously, there's practice time and, and, and whatnot also, but like, there, there is a value, I think, in the quality of play and in the minutes that you have your your core rotation in there. And if, let's say, you're up by 15 and the core rotation goes out, and, and if your young guys blow that lead, the win-loss thing doesn't necessarily matter as much, I don't think, because right. you saw what you saw with the first group. Um, kind of like NFL preseason in a way, where you see guys play like a quarter or a half, you know, in an NFL preseason, it really doesn't matter because you're trying to avoid injury. And I think there's a little bit of that element going on too. Like Jimmy's getting some rest. Kyle's gotten some rest. You know, those guys, they yeah, you know what you're going to get. Yeah, veterans, you know, preseason for veterans is more about just getting back acclimated in basketball shape. It, you know, they, they're not, you know, too concerned because they know the system when it comes to that. It's just more about, you know, getting in shape, avoiding injuries, um, you know, because they've been in so many preseasons, you know, <laughs> It also matters what preseason game it is. The early preseason games is more about just getting up and down, running as hard as you can, breaking the sweat, getting your win tired. 
Um, the later preseason games, as you get closer to regular season, as you get closer to the first game, you want to really – that's where you really want to see, like, drastic improvements. That's where you really want to see things kind of coming together. And so I think it matters which preseason game you're talking about. The early ones are going to be a little bit more sloppy. You know, you just want to get up and down. It's a little, the play calling is very simple. Um, but, you know, as you get closer to game one, you know, you definitely want to see some some progress. Definitely. So we're going to talk about a couple of things relating to the rotation so far. Um, this question comes from Adrian it's at Adrian W743 on Twitter. He talks about the backup tandem, um, Dwayne Dedman and Markeith Morris. They have both spent time uh, at the five. Markeith Morris plays a little bit of the four also that Dwayne Dedman doesn't. And he mentions, you know, Spo liking to have a stretch big. You know, you think back to Chris Bosch, there's many examples over the course of Spo's tenure where he used a stretch big. Deadman can shoot it a little bit, but Morris is mm-hmm. a better shooter for sure. Um, right. Morris is bigger than maybe I guess I thought. Like he looks, he almost looks that first preseason game when he was out there, he looked like James Johnson on the court. Like the way that he, first of all, it was the t-shirt underneath, but like James Johnson's a big boy. Like he's the MMA fighter and all that stuff. Like Marquis Morris is big enough to physically play the five and he gives that stretch element. So what do you think about, you know, I, I, Deadman gives a little bit something different. He's a hustle guy. He does the dirty work. He's going to rebound. He's going to battle inside. Marquis gives you a little bit more on the perimeter. What do you think about, you know, kind of the, the combo or the pairing of those two guys and how they might fit into the rotation? Um, I think it's it's going to depend on the matchups, you know, who they're playing. And also, um, I mean, I believe they can play together sometime, but you can also, you know, like you said, Marquise can he can play the he can play the five as well. So, you know, I like I like having options. And I think that the Heat, they have options and how they want to use them. They can use them, like I said, both in the game. One can play the five, one can play the four, or depending on the matchup of the game, they can play, you know, one and maybe not so much the other. And I think the beautiful part is you can try both out. You can try your options out and see what, what works and, and, and go from there. And I think that's the best part about this roster. There's a lot of different combinations that, that they're going to be able to try. And I believe that they're going to be very successful. And speaking of that rotation, um, not just in the preseason, but early in the season, uh, this question comes from Ben Tovia. It's Karmic Bead 7193 on Twitter. He talks about Spolstra, and I think really M- every NBA coach does this, but tinkers with the rotation early on. You know, the first couple of months, they're kind of moving things around, trying to figure out combinations and, you know, how things fit together and, and which groups are the best together and in how many minutes and when to take guys out and kind of get into that, that firm rotation as they head into the last part of the season. And so his question is not really about the rotation and how that's going to look for the Miami heat, but how does that affect a player? Like if you're a guy, let's say that you're playing, you know, 12 minutes, you're playing roughly six minutes a half, maybe let's say right in the middle of the half, end of the first, beginning of the second, and it starts to change for you. How does that, how does that affect you as a player? In the preseason? Let's let's move it forward to the regular season because I think in the preseason it's it's not as you know there's a lot more experimentation going on. So let's say early season, you know that November, December, maybe even early January part of the season as things are getting moving. Um, what, how does that affect you as a player if your rotation is changing a little bit, like the way that you're playing? You know, maybe your minutes are going up, down. Maybe your minutes are completely washed away. Well, you just have to. You know, it, it can be frustrating, but you have to understand, you know, it comes with it on a new team, 
um, that's trying to figure out um, the best way, the most efficient and effective way, you know, to win. You just have to go with it. Um, part of the job is, you know, uncontrollable variables. And those are things that sometimes you can't control. You just have to stay professional. Uh, you just have to be ready when you go out there and, um, you know, communicate with the coach, you know, ask them what they're looking for, what they're looking for out of you, what they're looking for out of those rotations. And, um, you know, Spoh a guy that's always, you know, since I've known him, he's been open to, you know, you can talk to him and ask him, you know, questions and, and he'll give you a clear, you know, he'll give you a clear answer. Sometimes he'll tell you, you know, we don't have it figured out right now. I'm just trying to figure it out. And, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. You just got to bear with us. And I, and I think as a professional, you just have to, you know, stay, you know, stay prepared and, um, you know, just deal with it. Yeah. And that was going to be my follow-up is, you know, how much of an open door type of policy is there at that level? And I, I'd imagine it's different by coach and different by franchise, but, you know, I, I can't imagine it's too much of a shocking surprise. I can't imagine not having a conversation going in or at least having somewhat of an idea. Like I, I can't imagine as an NBA player that you're just, you know, surprised, I guess, by going, you're not going to go from 24 minutes to zero without at least being given maybe a heads up or situationally knowing, like even in game, like having an assistant coach say something to you, like, Hey, you know, tonight we're trying, I don't know. Like if you, if you were a big guy and you're just getting schemed out because of the team you're playing, I feel like that having that open line of communication, like you said, professionalism is, is really part of the key right there to make sure everybody's on the same page. Well, sometimes you don't get an explanation. That's the thing. Sometimes you don't, <laughs> and you, and you have to, you have to be okay with that. I mean, I, and after the game or the next day, you can go in and, you know, ask, you know, coach, you know, um, you know, what, you know, what was the reason for that? Or did I do something wrong? Or what are we looking at? You know, you can go in there and communicate that, but sometimes you don't get an explanation. You just have to be a good teammate, you know, understand it's part of the business. And, you know, like I said, after the game or after, you know, the next day in practice, you can, you know, you can ask, I wouldn't suggest a young player, <laughs> do that though I, I would suggest um you know veteran guys who are you know solidified who've made their mark in this league is more open you know younger players um who are a little bit less solidified you can I mean you can ask but I would say you know for a younger player you know just keep a positive attitude and, and continue to work you know but for a veteran player you know who who you really are not used to that and, you know, you can go and coach, you know, coach, you know, you know, what's going on? Did I do something wrong or was it just for the matchups? And, you know, coach would be honest with you. Yeah, I like that. I think, you know, obviously as a coach and at the high school level, it's it's very different, quite, quite frankly, it's very different. But, you know, being honest, whether it's up front or after the fact, I mean, I've had tons of examples I'm thinking of as a coach where, you know, a high school game is, is 32 minutes and, and sometimes you run out of minutes and you have kids that you're afraid to put out there. That level of talent is very different. And right. you know, the kids that you can count on, you know, the kids that are, are your best players your winning players and situationally a tight game. Sometimes you can't put a kid out there and, and it's different at the NBA, obviously. So, you know, it's not a direct correlation there, but I think the key there, like we, we've been mentioning is the communication, whether it's before, after, during, but when you let it, when you let it stay silent as a coach, I think it causes problems. And I think as a player, if you're sitting there on the bench and Norris is upset every day at practice, if you keep, you know, you keep it inside, that causes problems too. You know, it starts to right, leak over right. to your teammates. And I think 
as you said, professionalism and communication is probably the key to that. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we don't have any problems with that on the heat. I think Eric Spolster does a good job with that. I think the, the leaders on the team also play into that too, when you have veteran guys like Miami has. Absolutely. I agree. All right. This next question kind of plays into that a little bit. Um, it comes from the towel boys. It's a NBA podcast. They uh, responded and asked, what was it like when you were playing with LeBron and Dwayne and, you know, you, you weren't there for the first year, um, but you know, they had, they had to work things out, you know, being together for the first time, they were already friends, but sharing the court, you know, you, you saw this last year with the Brooklyn Nets, having all that talent on the court and trying to figure out kind of their ball dominant guys. And how are you going to make that work? And he asked, you know, how did they work out kind of the cohesiveness rather than just taking turns and playing like isolation ball type of things, um, was it something that they, you talked about as a team? Was it something that it was a coaching strategy in practice? Like how did, how did that from your perspective, maybe get sorted out between those guys? Well, one, they communicated with each other and we also communicated as a team, but, um, I mean, D way he was willing to sacrifice, you know, and it was, it was kind of public knowledge. He was willing to sacrifice and concede that, look, you know, LeBron is, you know, this is, this is your team, you know? And the cool, the cool thing and what makes LeBron such a great player is he's not a guy that's he's not a guy that's going to be a ball hog. So if he has a score or a guy on his team that's capable of scoring, he's going to get that person the ball so that they can score and so that they can be in positions to score. And so I think LeBron's, you know, ability to and unselfishness to, to you know, get other guys involved and able to play off the ball. And um, along with D Wade's uh, willingness to sacrifice and have a pure winning attitude, I think that you know that made us have kind of like good karma. You know, when you have guys that are genuine and want to win, we had a saying on our team. You know, we had to sacrifice, and sacrifice is always easiest until it's your turn. You know, everybody talks about sacrifice until it's their turn to sacrifice. And you know, we had a bunch of guys, not just D Wade but we had a bunch of guys that were willing to sacrifice in order for our team to thrive and win. And um, that was the same thing with, you know, LeBron and D uh, LeBron and D Wade. Um, when one of them had it going, the other one, you know, was okay with it. And a lot of times both of them had it going and that made our team even more dynamic. So, yeah, I think the fact that they communicated about it, they wasn't, you know, they wasn't like quiet about it, you know, because that had to be figured out. And so they communicated amongst each other. Um, coach and them had game plans and had lineups where sometimes they work on the court together so that one could be more aggressive than the other. And then when it was winning time, you know, be in the game together and they made it work. Yeah. And, you know, if we think back to when we were talking about Chris Bosch going into the Hall of Fame, he's another guy that clearly, you know, was dominant. I mean, an all-star type player in Toronto and he came down to Miami and, and he sacrificed probably the most in a lot of ways. Like he oh, took sure. such a back seat and was still dominant, was still an all-star, you know, obviously now a Hall of Famer. But the way that he had to sacrifice to come there was as much as anybody, if not more. Absolutely. Oh, man, CB, he sacrificed a ton. I mean, could you imagine how many more points he would have scored if he was playing his original role? How many more rebounds he would have had <laughs> if he was staying in his original role from Toronto? It would have been, you know, I mean, it was no question he was a Hall of Famer anyway. But, yeah, his, his numbers would have been even crazier if he, you know, would have stayed in his original role. But he understood 
you know, what we needed from our team. And that's why our team, I believe, that's why I believe our team could compete with anybody because we had guys that could do even more if needed be, but sacrifice, you know, so that everybody could fit in. Yeah, I like that. And, and you know, you mentioned earlier um, with LeBron, he's so unselfish. And you have multiple guys on that team, honestly, that were unselfish. But I know you remember the early days of LeBron. Everybody watched, but you were in Ohio like I was. And at right. times, he was critiqued for being too unselfish. How many times where he would find the open man at the end of the game and maybe the play didn't work out. And it was like, you have to take that shot, LeBron. Not, yes, you made the right basketball play. And think about how many times in Miami where big shots were made by you, by Rio, by Mike Miller, by Ray Allen, on and on and on and on, on, because the right basketball play was made. And when you have three guys that are just so tremendously skilled, there were so many times where the focus was on them, but they made the right basketball play. And we had guys that were the supporting cast or whatever you, you know, what did, what do Donis call them? The, the heatles and like the little, you had the big the, three and the little 12. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> not to just, you know, but like those, those guys stepped up how many times, you know, like you don't win without the supporting cast. Those guys were great, but with every, it was a team effort, but you know, I think you made a great point. LeBron is, is almost unselfish to a fault because he's so dang good that, at the beginning of his career, he got critiqued for it. And at the end of the career, now it makes him, you know, so tremendous, even at his age now. Absolutely. Well, I think when uh, early in his career, you know, you have to know, sometimes you have to know your personnel and know who you're passing the ball to at times. Sometimes people felt that it was better for him to shoot a difficult shot than for him to pass to, you know, maybe a lesser caliber player. But, you know, the, the thing about LeBron is he stayed pure to himself. And then when he came to Miami with some, you know, higher caliber role players, you know, we were able to to make it, you know, make what he already believed, you know, make it a, a reality. Because he believes in making the right play no matter who you're passing it to. You know, if a person's open and they can shoot and they're capable of shooting, you know, you pass the ball. And that's that's a pure form of basketball. And in Miami, having the right people around them, you know, we flourish with that. And I'm sure that's it's a lot more fun to play that way when you're one of those other guys on the floor and you know that if you get open, you do the right thing, he's going to find you. I would imagine as a, as one of those players, that's something you liked about it. Absolutely, for sure. All right, so we got two more questions. Really, they're they're kind of combined in a way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put them into one. Um, this next question is from I think it's Suhas Suhas Drahu on Twitter. Um, he asks about the new look heat and he talks about Bam. We've talked about Bam repeatedly on this podcast and he calls him the new torch bear of heat culture. What do you think <laughs> about that? Is Bam the new torch bear of heat culture for the future? I mean, I mean, he's definitely, you know, a guy that's going to carry the torch. <laughs> you know, you got, like I said, you got him, you got also Jimmy, he's still there, but you know, obviously Bam is, is much younger, but yeah, I think, I think that's that's accurate. You know, he's going to carry the torch um, for us um, going forward. You know, and with him being there at such a young, a young age, you know, he he can carry the torch for a long time. You know, you know, as long as he stays healthy and you know, as long as nothing crazy happens and he stays with us, um, which is what we're going to expect. Um, I think he can carry the torch for a long, long time, and he has some great mentors. You know, in D Wade and Udonis Haslam and teammate Jimmy Butler and having coach Bo to start his career he's off to a you know great you know great start to his career with some great leaders to learn from so 
yeah, he can carry the torch for a long time. Yeah, I agree. I think he's he's a lifer. I think he's shooting for hopefully years from now, getting Udonis's rebounding record. And if he does those things, we're going to have years of great heat basketball because he's going to lead us to a lot of great things. Uh, as we close it up, this is kind of a funny thing. Uh, at, I'm just going to say G because I don't know how to say the name. not going to mess it up. But uh, his name is G on Twitter. And uh, he asks about Bam. He apparently has found Bam's Twitter from high school. So Bam oh, wow. in high school. This is June 7th, 2012. So that would be the end of your rookie year, correct? Roughly? Uh, yes. Okay. So it would be right around the time, roughly, that we won that first championship uh, or your first championship. I didn't win one, but you won one. Um, <laughs> and there's a couple of tweets from apparently unconfirmed BAMs. It's it's not the same BAM one of one that he uses now, but it, it is a picture of BAM in a high school uniform. It is from 2012. I don't know how many like burner accounts of BAM were made that early. So I'm, I'm going to trust a guy. And uh, he's got a, a post that says Norris Cole, like a ton of letters. And then he's got one with your picture from media day that says my boy. So I don't know what happened that day in that game, but Norris, you did something. I'm going to trust greatness respects greatness. So he wanted to know what you feel about being one of Bam's favorite players when Bam was 15 years old. <laughs> um, if, if it's true, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, it's pretty cool. Though. You know, it's always an honor when people respect your game and, you know, look up to you. Um, I remember when I was in high school, you know, I mean, we didn't have Twitter, but I remember being able to watch my favorite player and then to be able to go to the same franchise as my favorite player. You know, I thought that was pretty cool being able to end up playing with, you know, LeBron, you know, and D Wade and those guys. Uh, so I think it's cool. You know, if that's the, if, if that was really his, you know, Twitter account, I think it's cool. Um, and I appreciate, I appreciate the love. You know, it's funny that you think back at that, like how many guys back in that point are tweeting things out and, and people are digging stuff up, hopefully not bad things, obviously, because that happens too. But, you know, I remember, you know, we just mentioned like we both lived in Ohio when we were growing up and and I watched LeBron as a sophomore. It was the only first time I saw him in person. Uh, it was state semifinals. It was the day before he won his first Mr. Basketball and you're blown away. And, you know, Ohio has good basketball. Like people kind of sleep on it a little bit and I know you're from Ohio so you know there was good basketball players that I saw we, we talked one time on the phone about uh Ron Lewis that played at BG that was from Columbus um just a lot of good basketball that I remember seeing what are some guys that you remember growing up or that you played against that you saw you know in Ohio oh, or you, I mean, during, during my during my era we probably had some of the best players you know as far as high school is concerned I mean you had Daquan Cook um you had um Costa Kufis was nice in high school. Um, B.J. Mullins, uh, John Diebler, um, O.J. So I played Mayo. against I played against Diebler's older brother, and his dad coached yeah. in our league. But yeah, I played he, against Jake too. I played against both of them. Okay, did you ever yep, play against Jake Nick Dials? Um, he was at man, he's he went end up going to Ohio State. I think he started off at. He was from Willard is where he went to high school. He played with Charlie Fry that's in the NFL or was in the NFL and is coaching now. But mm. Nick Dials, he was a shooter. God, I can't think where he went to college first, but he ended up at Ohio State. 
Um, anyways, but yeah, I mean, those guys, I mean, obviously you talk, Daquan Cook obviously was with the Heat. Um, Costa Kufos was from Canton, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. CJ McCollum, even though he wasn't as established back then, he was a little oh, yeah. younger, but I played against him. He was a, he went to the same school as Kuf. Really? Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, at Glen Oak. Yep. Yep. Can't in Glen Oak. I, I mean, I played against a ton of guys that were, you know, high major, ESPN top one hundred, McDonald's All Americans from the state. So yeah, it was it was it was some good basketball growing up. Um, Lavender, the point guard from Columbus Brookhaven, who was in the McDonald's game with LeBron. You know, it was it was it was a lot a lot of good players back during my era. You know, that came from Ohio. So, you know, it was it was it was a good time for basketball. Well, guys, I, I mean, the, the questions guided the episode. It was a great episode, lots of great questions. We'll try to do this a little bit more often during the season because I think, you know, getting the fans involved and, and having them be interactive a little bit is a great thing for the show. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll be right on basically a day or two before the season starts. And, uh, Norris, before we leave, why don't you close us out? Yeah, before we close out, I, um, anybody that got any questions or got any um any requests that they want to have, you know, with the holiday season coming up, you can hit me up on the Cameo app. You know, Norris Cole, my profile. You know, any questions you might want to ask or you want to have some requests to, you know, maybe some of your friends, your family, birthday wishes, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, Halloween's coming up, Christmas, the holiday, New Year's coming up. Hit me up on the Cameo app and also on the Loop Mogul. Let me test y'all trivia out. You know, you can play my tournament on Loop Mogul. The link is on my Twitter and on my IG. And with that being said, we appreciate you. Keep the questions coming in. Make sure you like and subscribe. And until next time, Heat Nation, we are. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.